0: Hello and welcome to Secrutiny's Emerging Trends podcast with cybersecurity expert Shane Shook. Today we will be discussing how to improve your network architecture for a more secure perimeter, gaps in firewall traffic and the dangers of exposed VPNs. Welcome Shane and thank you for joining us. Let's kick this episode off by discussing what emerging trends and significant risks you have been seeing over the past few months. So, uh, of
1: course, we're all stuck work at home, or maybe stuck's the wrong word. Some people really enjoy it. And what's interesting is that old is new, as so often happens in cybersecurity and breach issues. In particular, what I've been dealing with for the past month since our last podcast is VPN issues. As we're all essentially working from home, we're all using a variety of different VPNs And the health and security of the VPNs in their network architectures is unfortunately, in some cases, not very stable, in other cases, for us, I should say. In particular, recently, I've been finding a lot of customers have still today, five months after the patches were released, NetScalers that are vulnerable to the CVE 2019, I think it was 19781 vulnerability, the exploit that came out in November last year, were fine even as late as May now, a number of our clients still have net scalers that uh, unfortunately are still susceptible to that vulnerability and have been exploited. But it's not only net scalers, we're finding a variety of VPNs. And more than that, when we start to dig into the issues on those, we also notice that in many cases, the VPNs are not really set up in the best architecture. We're seeing that they're in... They're quite often configured as bridges from the outside world directly to the inside of the uh, corporate network, rather than going through a DMZ with some kind of interval VLAN to provide some additional protections. And on top of that, we also see that for customers that have north-south network visibility with network traffic monitors, unfortunately, in most cases, the VPN connectors are outside of the north-south monitoring. And so the visibility of the traffic that might be tipped off by firewalls or by other types of NTRs is not available because unfortunately these VPN devices in some cases have been slammed in due to exigent need to support work from home and in other cases were never really tested with security in mind when they were implemented to provision remote access to these controlled networks. So those are the most significant risks that we've been dealing with for the past month and I've seen a number of breaches occur due to the However, I will say that for the most part, the majority of those compromised VPN access points have been for purposes of coin mining and other run-of-the-mill botnet additions and have not actually been the more sinister access enablement into the internal organization for other purposes like fraud or theft.
0: Okay, so what actions can organizations take to identify and mitigate cyber risk on their networks before an incident occurs?
1: Well, with regard to the network, so there is a single point of truth available to us, and that's the endpoint. So the whole security industry has recognized this over the past five or more years now, with a focus on endpoint detect and respond or Manage, detect, and respond that all rely on endpoint monitoring tools like CrowdStrike or Silence or. Sentinel-1 or a variety of others. My recent favorite is Huntress Labs. But these endpoint monitors, while they're good, they're not always comprehensive across the estate. Sometimes you don't know if or when one of these monitors is not functioning properly or hasn't been updated. An additional point of truth that can be made available and should be made available is to audit the endpoints. If we're going to monitor the endpoints, we should also audit the endpoints. Because what activity is actually performed with a laptop or a desktop or a server, or even a mobile device, is evidenced by monitoring that or periodically auditing that, as we do as with, screening with the Cyber Risk Audit, which is essentially a script that excises information about active processes and software configurations and open files and communications and versions of software in use and that sort of thing. That point of truth gives us an ability, when viewing the overall estate, to assess not only the endpoint itself, but also the effectiveness of the monitoring tools, like, as I mentioned, the Huntress Labs or Sentinel-1 or the Scilas or the like, so that not only can we see literally what's occurring from the endpoint, but we can assess the health of the monitoring tools all the way up the stack at the endpoint with the uh, EDR or MDR at the network by assessing the truth of the uh, NetStat returns from the endpoints about what communications are being allowed. No matter what the firewall logs might tell you or not tell you in many cases, or no matter what the policy rule sets on the firewalls, which are unfortunately often out of sync with each other, might indicate the literal truth is available by the active processes on the endpoints. And so it's useful to get there. And then similarly, also the directory services like access authentication through VPN or authenticating services and management through Active Directory Again, all of that truth is most evident from the endpoint. So it's useful to use a process like our cyber risk audit to evaluate not only the exigent risks, which are things that we can recognize by patterns like malware, but also the hygiene risks like how many computers have Emily's username on them. And we know that Emily only uses her own laptop and when and how were they used, as well as what network services and port configurations was Emily using on those different computers. Those are hygiene risks that can help us to identify problems in the configuration of the network devices, the network policies, and even to some extent, the acceptable use policy from an HR perspective, according to whether or not Emily, you should have been allowed to do something.
0: Okay, so I can definitely see the value in Cyber Risk Audit. Is there anything else that should be considered vital in an organization's network architecture for protection against the risks you have mentioned?
1: Yeah. So, for the past 20 years, there's been a concept of seeing security incident event monitoring, and as I mentioned, in the past five years or more, managed detect and respond for endpoint monitoring has grown, been adopted by nearly every organization, and they all fundamentally rely on this logging and consolidation of endpoints and network detail. So there's three uh, essential feeds into a SIEM, which is a database of logs, effectively. Those are endpoint processing, process monitors, again, like the Hunter Labs or the CrowdStrike or the Sandalon or Cylance and that sort of thing. Taking the events that they log and forwarding those logs into a consolidated log store, which is called a SIEM. So the endpoint, as well as the firewall logs, whether they're next generation or older generation firewalls, taking those logs and forwarding again to that consolidated logging seam. And then the third necessary component is the directory services, so authentication in terms of active directory and if available, VPN access directories. A fourth tangent has become the cloud access security brokers or data access security brokers, which are monitoring who's using which data resources, when and how. That's more recent of the past 18 months or so. E <síntico> But in effect, there's, there's three or four fundamental sources of information need to go to a consolidated record, which has been served by these uh, SEAM and more recently SOAR platforms. Unfortunately, they largely and nearly always skip over a fundamental precursor, which if they implement a security monitoring and events alerting architecture properly, can both protect them legally as well as improve the performance of their SOC services, whether they're internal or manage stuff through a third party. And that's a concept that we call a system of record. A system of record is taking the original logs in their native format and storing them, typically in an on-premise location, in a bulk format from which extracts of recognizable or determinable activities are then forwarded in a more economical fashion and with a higher value because of the coincidence of indicators that you can gain from the endpoint and the firewall, as well as the authentication directory services, that coincidental information provides a much more rich, feature-rich and incident-rich point of data that can be more economically than forwarded to a scene. And most seen today operate in the cloud, which is a very expensive proposition. So by implementing a system of record, or SOAR as we call it, not to be confused with security orchestration, but the system of record allows you to retain the raw native logs in a format that can help to substantiate production requests if, or when a litigation might happen, or if an incident happens. What I find very often with the seam in managed socks, again, whether they're internal or external, the seam has got records typically for 90 days, maybe more depending on their SLAs. But those records that have been retained have been pared down from whatever the original source was, and that original truth is lost. So one fundamental benefit of a system of record is having access to the original data in its native form, which is is much more expressive and contains a lot more information than the pared down records that are retained in the seam over time. And in an incident, more data is more beneficial than less data. Also, you never know who's going to need to rely on evidence. And so by having original evidence in its native format available, you don't know down the line whether it be a regulator, a shareholder, an employee, or executive management that needs to utilize the original evidence. And so it's important to retain it in a protected manner. What I do see in the seam particularly now with these work-from-home incidents and the VPN issues with more and more compromises of exploitable, unpatched VPN access points, is that the seam often are exhibiting a lack of coverage. I mentioned earlier that we find on these incident reviews on compromised VPNs like the NetScalers actually configured in a bridging mode from the internet directly to the internal network. Rather than being configured to access a DMZ with a controlled access point from the DMZ to the internal network. Or we find that the VPN access points are not even being monitored by the firewalls or by any NTRs, as I mentioned earlier. And that's really evident with a quick view of the seam. It's a simple matter to look in the seam to see what traffic, if any, is being logged related to the VPNs by their network addresses. And unfortunately we're seeing a lot of those, a lot of overlooked or invisible network architecture that is critically important to monitoring in this work from home situation.
0: Great, thanks Shane. As always, some very valuable insights. Before we sign off, is there anything else you would like to add?
1: I would just encourage everyone to really think critically again about their network security posture. So posture to me and to us at Secrudney is a combination of the ability to identify exigent risks, so things that the world knows about or can know about by patterns that we can recognize, such as programs running from temp folders, that's generally speaking a useful indicator on an endpoint, or SMB communications allowed from the internet. That's again, generally a pretty easy recognizable feature. Or VNC connections from the internet to an internal host, again, relatively easy. But beyond the exigent to also really pay attention and periodically audit the hygiene of their estate and take it from the point of truth, which is the endpoint, then utilize that data to evaluate the effectiveness of the scene logging and the effectiveness against not only the activity that you see from the endpoint data, but also to consider whether there are gaps in coverage in the security monitoring that the seam is meant to evidence beyond the exigent risk that it's meant to monitor for. So look for what you don't know because it's what you don't know that will get you in trouble, not what you can know.
0: Thanks again, Shane. More information regarding this subject can be found on our website at www.sucrutiny.com. That's www.sucrutiny.com. If you have any questions or concerns with any of the topics discussed, please get in touch and keep an eye out for our summer episode as we catch up with Shane.